if you are a first-time guest with us today, a huge, warm, big hug welcome to you to Trinity South Naperville. My prayer is that you will feel at home here and make yourself at home here. Act like you own the place, if you will. Just get comfortable and relax. You're among spiritual friends and family here. Well, as has been said, we're in the middle of a series where we're focusing on the book of Colossians. What I love about the book of Colossians is that it focuses on this little town in the Middle East in what is modern-day Turkey um, that was utterly destroyed by an earthquake about one or two years after the Apostle Paul wrote them a love letter. The love letter he wrote to them was a letter about their faith and about the Jesus that they follow. And history records that within a couple of years, Colossa was destroyed by a major earthquake. Now, we don't know what happened to the church in Colossa. It was probably a very small group of people like this. But what we do know is that the Apostle Paul was under house arrest in Rome for two years, and he, along with his assistant Timothy, wrote a letter to the church in Colossa, a church that he actually never visited. The church was planted by a student of the Apostle Paul's named Epaphras. And so Epaphras was demonstrating the faith that he had learned through the Apostle Paul that came down from the Lord by planting this new church, kind of like what we're doing here at Trinity South Naperville at Burkett Freshman Center. What I love about the scripture that we're studying today is not only does it demonstrate how powerful and how amazing and how supreme Jesus is, The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that not only did Jesus make everything, so he was the general contractor of the whole world and the whole universe around it, all the plants, all the animals, all the stuff in your yard. When you look outside and see things and you experience the weather like you did today, all of that was made by Jesus. And the Bible even says for him. It was made by him and for him. And the scripture says there in Colossians that in Jesus, all things do what? Hold together, right? And so what Paul was doing was talking about the nature of Jesus to this new church because they had had a teaching come along in their church, which does happen in the Christian church sometimes. They'd had a teaching come along that was not quite true. You know how the enemy works and the enemy's name is Satan. The enemy works in this way. He gives you a little bit of truth, just a taste of the truth. And then what does he do with it? He takes that truth off course just enough, almost like a tangent. If you're a math person, he takes that truth and just spins it off just enough where it sounds true, but it's not actually the truth anymore. And so what was happening at the church at Colossae was people were starting to believe that Jesus isn't God. And so Paul wanted to establish right off the bat, Jesus is God. He is supreme. He made all things, and in him all things hold together. Well, there was another teaching that was starting to circulate in the church, and that was that you had to have a special knowledge in order to be saved. You had to have a certain type of spiritual knowledge to be saved, And that not everybody was going to be saved. And this started to scare some people. Now imagine if we stood up here on Sunday morning and said that same thing to you. And you came in to hear words of comfort, words of assurance, and words of peace. But instead you heard something like this. You know what? If you're smart enough, if you're good enough, if you read your Bible enough, if you tithe enough, If you come to church enough, then maybe, 
just maybe you'll get a chance to get into heaven. Well, Paul looked at that and said, hogwash. We need to shoot that down with both barrels. And so what he did is he established an understanding of the faith that we're going to dive deep into today. So what I'd like to ask you to do is just pray with me. And as we get in, just ask God to reboot your heart, reset your heart in a way that you hear from him the good news of the gospel of Jesus in a brand new way today, in a way that brings you comfort and power in the spirit and peace. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for the gift of the church. Thank you for the gift of the truth that you give us from Jesus through the study of the word of the church. God, as we celebrate baptism today, we ask that you come and show us the purpose of this beloved sacrament. Show us what it means and how it changes our lives, how it's more than just simply something to do of a religious nature. It is a person to be who is called and given new life by Jesus. So come and speak now through the word. In your name we pray, and together we say amen and amen. Well, it is a brand new school year. Raise your hand if you've already been to school. All right, we've got a handful of people, and we've got a couple of adults in the back who've already been as well. Very good. Teachers in the room, right? And raise your hand if you're starting school tomorrow. Got a couple in the room doing that as well. Very good. Well, some things that you're going to encounter when you go to school, no matter where you go to school, are the idea of what a successful life looks like. Teachers are there to help and support you learn and grow and learn how to do reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? But they're also there to support you in life, to help you have a successful life. And what we're going to hear from our culture is success in life tends to vacillate around two or three different major things. Success could depend upon whether or not you have inner peace in what you do. If you choose to do a certain career, are you at peace with yourself and do you enjoy that career and do you have fun at it? Are you centered in that career so that it lets you know somewhere along the way that that was what you were meant to do with your life? And along those lines, do you ever find yourself influencing other people? If you are a star in sports or in music or famous somehow in business, how many people can you influence? How many people listen to the sound of your voice and then change their lives based on what you say? If you're a business leader, how many people buy your products? Something like, you know, uh, uh, the leader of the Apple Corporation, right? They change things at Apple and people do what? Line up around the block year over year to buy products. That could be seen as a successful leadership, right? In the world and in the eyes of the world, success and wholeness and healing and fullness of life means a certain thing. This is an idea that started to creep into the church at Colossa. But what Paul does is he reels the church back in and he reboots them and resets them and says, instead of thinking of life as something that you are here to achieve, Instead of thinking of life as something that you are here to conquer and master, to become the master of, Paul says, I want you to think of life in one word, Jesus. I want you to think of life as being in Christ. He began to teach them the idea of what life was like to live a life in Jesus. And if you think about that phrase, it's kind of puzzling. 
Well, if I'm me, you know, if I'm Ian, if I'm Caleb, you know, if I'm Molly, then how can I be those people and yet be in Christ at the same time? Well, the answer to that is very simple. If you look at it from the eyes of one who baptizes and receives the sacrament of baptism. Back in those days, in a lot of circumstances, they didn't have a lot of water, bodies of water around. So they would baptize even little babies back in the first century church by sprinkling water over their heads, which this is why we have the bowl and we do a sprinkle baptism even today. And by the way, when we do our baptism service after the message, if you've never been baptized before and you want to come up and be baptized, I've got a nice, warm bowl of water just for you. But whenever there was a body of water where people could get around and be completely immersed in the water, they would come up out of the water, and the idea is that that baptism would wash them clean. Now, what were they washed clean of? They were washed clean of sin, and we know sin is anything that separates us from who? From God. See, God is here. God is perfect and holy. And sin is what separates us and takes us and tears us away from God in a violent fashion. And yet when we come to the waters of baptism in believing Jesus, that water washes away our sin. We live a new life in Christ in the same way that water touches us and washes over us. Or if we go down and get dunked into the water, immersed in the water and rise up again, we rise up to a brand new life. The Bible says that we actually die with Christ. History records that Jesus died and went where? Into the grave for how many days? Three days. And then on the third day, what happened? He rose again from the grave. And so what happens with us in that baptism? We are literally killed. We're dying with Christ. And then we rise again with him into a brand new life into a brand new faith. You see, baptism is very simply this. It's how God claims us. He puts his seal on us, almost like he's stamping his seal on our foreheads and saying, this is mine. It's how he claims us. He always, it's how he makes us his children. And it's also how he works faith in us. So if you have a little bit of faith and you come to baptism and you submit yourself to the water and the word, the Bible says your faith will grow. Or if you're a little baby like the one in the back of the room there and your parents bring you to be baptized, faith begins in you and then grows every year thereafter. So whether you get dunked in the water and spring up out of the water into new life or whether you are baby and poured water over your little face where it surprises you and wakes you up almost like you have a bath or whether you get a chance to have some water sprayed on you with a super soaker in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible says that a baptism has occurred. So what happens is you are baptized. It's not that you have been baptized. You are baptized. Something about you changes. And the thing that changes is who you are. Who you are changes. So what happens to sin? Sins are forgiven. What happens to the power of Satan 
and the power of the world that he commands for a short time. It is defeated. And what happens to eternal life in your life, it is freely given. And does God ever take it away? No, God doesn't take away eternal life. He never takes it away. People can walk away from it and choose to say, no, I don't want any of that Jesus stuff. But God never removes eternal life from you. Once he gives it, it remains yours. And so in baptism, you receive the seal of God's approval. It's like this. When Jesus went down into the water, when he went into the river Jordan and was raised up again with John the Baptist, do you remember what happened next? A booming voice from heaven came, kind of like that thunder you heard this morning at, at like five o'clock this morning. Did you hear that one? That, yeah, that woke me up. Heather's shaking her head. No, she can sleep through a train <laughs> passing by the house if that were true. That's a gift, right? But anyway, I heard it, and I could imagine the voice of God over Jesus' baptism say, Behold, this is my Son, whom I love. In Him I am well pleased. And so when Jesus comes into your life, God looks at you and says, Behold, this is my Son. This is my daughter, whom I love. With Him, with her, I am what? well pleased and it's not based on how you perform religiously it's not based on how good you are how much bible you read how much small group you go to how many church services you sit in how much money you give how many times your kids are in kids street and don't tear the room apart it's not based on any of that it's based on one thing and one thing only and that is god's love and his smile and his approval upon you he claims you as his own. And in baptism, it's like he says, this one is mine. And Satan, hands off. You will never have access to this child of mine again. This is my son. This is my daughter. With her, with him, I am well pleased. Have you ever heard of the unholy trinity before? Now, you know what the holy trinity is, right? Go ahead and name them. Father. Son and all right, so there's an unholy trinity. If you never heard of this before, it's pretty cool. The unholy trinity is the world, the influence of the world around us. It is the body and the, what the old scriptures called the flesh, the temptations of the flesh, right? And then Satan himself, who the Bible says was cast down to earth to roam about here with all those angels who followed him out of heaven. They tempt us and they mess with us and they try to derail us and take us off on spiritual tangents. The Bible says that when you are baptized, your identity changes. You become a marked and sealed child of God. And the influences of the world cannot hurt you. And the influences of your body cannot hold you back, even when tempted. And the influences of Satan are defeated. Here's what you do as you go into a brand new school year. This is for kids and moms and dads and singles. As we go into a new academic year, whether you're starting school or not, remember how God has claimed you. Remember what he has said over you. This one is mine. With him, with her, I am well pleased. You see, the way we speak to ourselves 
changes the way we think. The way we talk to ourselves changes who we are. And when you go into this new school year, what I want you to do, whether you're a very small one starting preschool or one who's a senior in college, when you get where Satan tempts you to do something you know is wrong, I want you to speak these words over yourself. I am baptized in the name of Jesus. Whenever you find that the flesh starts to tempt you and to take over, to tempt you to do something you know is not good for you, I want you to say these words. I am in Christ. I live in Christ. Whenever you are tempted to believe that you are not God's child, that you are something else, that you're a child of the world, I want you to remember these words and say them to yourself. I'm God's kid. Say this language to yourself, and what you're doing is you're preaching to yourself. You're giving yourself encouragement. You're lifting yourself up, and you're telling yourself the truth. When you are baptized, when you are in the faith, you are now God's kid. You are now in Christ. You are baptized. It's not necessarily that you have been, because baptism is not a one-time event. Even when the water goes and hits your forehead, or when you dive down deep into it, this is simply the beginning, and there is no end. You are a new thing. You are a new person. You're a new human being. You are claimed as God's child. And when we make the sign of the cross on the forehead and on the heart of a baby or a grown-up person who goes into the water, what it is we're demonstrating is God's seal of approval. And that's a seal that never washes off. It never wears out. It never fades away. And it can never be put off. What is it God has in store for you when you're baptized? He has a brand new life, a brand new identity, and you become one who lives forever with him into eternity in heavenly perfection. Not a perfection that comes from within you, but a perfection that comes from where? From the heart of God and pours out upon your life. So little kids, we are getting ready now to close the message, and we're going to sing to God in response. We're going to sing an old new song. It's called Mighty to Save. And I want you to just relish these words, the idea that God is the one with the power. God is the one who gives us this new life. I want you to receive that new life today in faith. And again, after we have Michelle come up and do our blessing of the backpacks, and we pray, we're going to have a baptism service. And if you'd like to join us and be baptized, you're welcome to come forward and receive the good news of Jesus in this sacrament. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for claiming my life. Thank you for being a God who never leaves and never fails. Thank you for being a God who loves without end and for being a God who places his protection, his seal upon my life. Thank you for changing me into a new creation. God, I confess before you that sometimes I put my faith in being a success in the eyes of the world. 
and how much influence I have over others and whether or not I have inner peace in and of myself. And God, I cast those things away. I want those things to be cut out of my life so that the old me would completely and fully die and be reborn again as yours with your seal upon me, with your arms around me, and with your protection keeping me from the forces of Satan and the world and the temptations of the flesh. I thank you, God, for all the power and might that you give in a new life of faith. You are mighty and powerful and supreme and amazing. And your name is Jesus. In your name we pray and together we say, Amen and amen.